right. Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, let me just say welcome North Campus and welcome South Campus here together. And uh, let's take a minute also and welcome all of our family who is joining us online from wherever or whenever you are watching this. And also a special shout out to Upshur County Jail joining us. Come on, North and South. Let's tell them how much we love them. We love you so much. We're so grateful that you are choosing to be with us today. And if you uh, are normally with us in person, come on, what are you waiting for? Uh, be with us. You still got time uh, to be here at the next service. Anyway. I just wanted to uh, welcome you guys this morning before I get into the series that we're starting today. uh, It's cool to have two families in one house uh, for a little while, but I wanted to just quickly say thank you to everybody who served last weekend on our Easter services. We had an incredible weekend. God did a lot of amazing things uh, last weekend, so just a shout out to all of our serve team who gave so much of their time and their energy and their efforts on our last services at the North Campus, at that campus, but also a shout out to everybody who came to help us move. Um, In two days, on Monday and Tuesday, we got almost everything moved. Yeah. Uh, Great job. You guys jumped in there. We had anticipated it would take us four days or five days, so we we had it scheduled for next week as well. So if you signed up to serve next week, I'm sorry, uh, it's done. So, but you're going to have another opportunity when we have to move all of that into another location. So, so that's okay. Just save that energy, you know, save those dates. We'll let you know more about it. Uh, But I thought it was a good time as we've come together for a little while to do this series I've wanted to do for a little bit that is called Old Wells Fresh Water. And I know that's a strange title, but I want to start by reading a passage, and then I'll explain to you uh, the concept behind this. And so if you have your Bible, turn to Genesis chapter 26. If you don't have it, we're going to have it on this screen right here. But I want to read this passage and then show you a little bit about why we're calling this series Old Wells Freshwater. So Genesis 26, verse 12. When Isaac planted his crops that year, he harvested a hundred times more grain than he planted. For the Lord blessed him, and he became very, a very rich man, and his wealth continued to grow. Now, I know some of you are writing this down right now and going, I'm going to claim that verse. That is my verse. No, this verse for Isaac, okay? So you can't just say that's my verse. This was for him, okay? But look what it goes on to say in the next verse, verse 14. He acquired so many flocks of sheep and goats and herds of cattle and servants that the Philistines became jealous of him. Look at what it says here. So the Philistines filled up all of Isaac's wells with dirt. These were the wells that had been dug by the servants of his father, Abraham. So Isaac moved away to the Gerar Valley where he set up their tents and settled down. And look at this. This is powerful. Verse 18. He reopened the wells his father had dug, which the Philistines had filled after Abraham's death. Then it goes on. Isaac also restored the names that Abraham had given to them. Isaac's servants also dug in the Gerar Valley and discovered a well of fresh water. And let me just tell you a next couple of verses. uh, What happens is, so they dig these new wells and, and these people show up and they're like, no, actually that's our land. This is our well. And Isaac didn't want to fight with them. So he moved on to another place. He dug another well. They found some fresh water. Some more people showed up and were like, no, this is actually in our land now. So this belongs to us. This happened a couple of times until finally 
He dug a well where nobody came and, and said, hey, this is ours. And so then from there, it says, let me skip a couple verses here. In verse 23, from there, Isaac moved to Beersheba, where the Lord appeared to him on the night of his arrival. And he said, I am the God of your father, Abraham. Do not be afraid, for I am with you, and I will bless you as if he hadn't blessed him enough already. I will multiply your descendants, and they will become a great nation. I will do this because of my promise to Abraham, my servant. And then in verse 25, then Isaac built an altar there, and he worshiped the Lord, and he set up his camp at that place. And then what did he do? He dug another well. Now, what I think is so interesting and powerful about this passage is Isaac is being blessed. He, God is blessing him in every area, right? Because of his father's blessing that was promised to him, right? God is a God of generations. And so he was being blessed because of Abraham and what Isaac was doing, God was pleased with. So the Philistines got jealous. They start filling it, like it said, filling up his wells. But not only did, did Isaac unclog those wells, he said, no, I'm gonna build some more wells. Why? Because it wasn't, he didn't settle for the blessing of God that had already been given to him for him. No, he said, my father dug wells that I'm reaping the benefits of from today. So I'm gonna unclog those and I'm gonna dig some new wells for future generations to receive as well. So this is what I wanna talk about in this series of old wells, fresh water, because there have been some wells that have been dug here at this church that we're still reaping the benefits of today. So before we get into that, let me talk to you a little bit about what wells represent in Scripture. Because as I was doing a study on, on this, I found some fascinating things that we maybe don't fully understand in our context here in East Texas because most of us don't have wells. Wells are not like a big deal to us. But wells served as a place of rest and refreshment in a very dry land. And much of, of what was going on here is they were living in a desert. They were living in a very dry area in the Middle East. There are only a couple of wells that are actually flow year round. I'm sorry, rivers that flow year round. So from the dry seasons to the rainy seasons, it was important that they had water because it was only raining from about October to April. So these wells were very, very important. They became a place where people would gather, a place where people would receive refreshment in this dry land. And they represented a picture of God's provision and care. They also represented uh, the, the territory that was owned by a certain person. So you notice that they referenced Abraham's wells. So when you would dig a well, it was like, this is, this is my area, right? This is my land, and I have put a well here. So it represented a place uh, to come for a thriving community. It was more than just water. People would build their cities and their villages around the wells because there just weren't that many to come and get refreshing. And you read about that in many places in scripture, and we'll probably look at some of those in this series. But what I love about wells in scripture is they reminded God's people that God had provided water before and he's gonna provide water again. And it represented an opportunity to have access to a vast underground supply of water. Because a well is small on the top, right? It doesn't look like much, but underground, it can be deep and it can be wide. And there's a, a great wealth of water that's available from a very potentially small surface. And so I think that's very fascinating as we look at wells because our church has been digging wells for 30 plus years in this area. If you didn't know, our church is over 30 years old. And I think it's important as we come together to look a little bit at that history because I think we're receiving some water today from some wells that were dug over 30 years ago. Let me give you a little bit of the history of our church. In 
1988, my father moved here from Dallas, the Dallas area. It was really in Rockwall. We were part of a church there uh, called Church on the Rock, and it was one of the largest churches in America at that time. And when he moved here, he was really coming temporarily to look at whether he was supposed to take this small church in Kilgore. There was a church in a storefront in Kilgore, and it was running about 50 or 60 people. The pastor had left. It kind of dwindled down to that. So he, was, he knew that he wanted to be a pastor one day, and he was supposed to go to a church. So he was looking at this as one of the potential places that he was going to pastor. And there was another place that he was looking at as well in New Mexico. So while he was preaching here, people weren't as receptive because he was from Dallas, and they were like, we don't need some big city folk coming in here and telling us what to do. This was, an, this was a storefront in Kilgore. And so when he was, he was going to New Mexico at the same time to preach, and they wanted him to come. But he told me that when he stepped off the plane one time in New Mexico to preach, he felt like the Lord said very clearly, I said no. And he knew this was not the place he was going to be. He was supposed to come back to Kilgore. So, so he came back, and they began to grow in this small storefront church. And I think I have a picture here for you. This is on the inside. This was the auditorium in that small storefront church in Kilgore across from the back porch. Now, I know some of you young people are like, man, I can't even make out anybody in that picture, right? <laughs> and you're right. You're right. I mean, it looks like watercolor from up here. Like somebody had to paint it, and that's how they got the picture. Because... <laughs> We didn't have iPhones back then. You couldn't just take a picture anywhere you wanted to. There was actually no such thing as camera phones at this time. Uh, I was making a joke this week, like somebody had to hold up that flash thing and smoke went everywhere. And that's how you got that picture. But this was that small storefront church. And here's actually the front. I went by the other day, and it's, it's actually boarded up now. There's, there's nothing there. But this was it. This was the building. It's on Broadway across uh, from the back porch. And then they moved here at some point. But before I get to that, I was thinking of a story pretty funny about this. I, I kind of grew up in this church. I was about eight years old when we came here. And so if you know anything about pastor's kids, especially when you're kind of planting a church and rebuilding it, like you live here. And so I was here a lot in the summer, you know, and me and my uh, sister and a couple of our, my friends that were pastor's kids at the time, we had to like make up games and figure out what to do to pass the time. But one of the things I loved the most was the back porch was across the street. Now, the back porch is a burger place. It's a very, it was very small at that time. But we used to walk across the street to that. <laughs> I may be embarrassed for telling you this, but they, I loved it because they had IBC root beer there. And it was in the brown bottles. And this was pre-me really getting, you know, restored by the Lord. Um, so I always thought it was cool to look like I was drinking beer. And um, <laughs> like anybody believed an eight-year-old was, you know... <laughs> But the Lord has since refreshed my mind, and that's not cool anymore. So part of that is I have kids now. So you know that's like, no, that's dumb. You don't want Anyway, so, uh, so this was that storefront. And then we moved here, and this is my, my dad in his office sporting some hair. This is actually, <laughs> if you see him now, you've seen my future, okay? So I'm hanging on. But... This is actually where the coffee bar is now in the, in the lobby there. And I love he, his computer here. That's a giant. Guys, that's a computer, okay? Um, he sold computers before he was a pastor, so he's always had a thing for computers. And then this is the, this is the auditorium in here once they had redone it. Uh, and every week they were kind of adding to it while people were meeting here. It was a nightclub before. So the first Sunday there was a disco ball in the middle, um, in the middle of the building. So they finally took that down. 
but, but I wanted you to kind of see a little bit of the history here to know what we've come from to where we are today. And one of the interesting things about that small storefront church in Kilgore, we did a lot of spiritual warfare when we first came to there. Uh, there was, a, there was a, a lot of darkness in the area, and so there had to be a lot of spiritual warfare. We were confronted by the spiritual realm. In fact, there would be witches that would come to the church, and they were coming to pronounce a curse on the church, but they would say they couldn't come in the doors. Like, they would come to the front, and they were like, we don't know why we can't walk in. Well, they were meeting a new spirit, right? It was, it was the Holy Spirit that was coming to this area, and at that time... There were not a lot of healthy expressions of a spirit-filled church in the area. There were not a lot of pictures that you could see of, okay, that's a healthy expression of a spirit-filled church. I'm sure there were some, but there weren't a lot. And so when we first uh, came, people would say things like, well, that's the church where they handle snakes, you know, and of course we never, we, we don't do that. That's crazy, right? But people were like, that, that's weird, and they had this picture of something really weird. So one of our early missions was to represent the Holy Spirit in a normal manner to people. So they wouldn't see this crazy picture, right? And I think that it's because people have misrepresented him. And I've talked to you guys about this some before, but when, when people see something that seems crazy or weird or, you know, like, I don't know about that, they keep a distance from it because we don't understand and since we're having like a family reunion today, I'll just use this analogy for you that you may understand. Like if you've ever been to a family reunion and you haven't seen some of your family for a while and you got a crazy uncle and you're like, you tell your kids like that's crazy uncle Bill. Don't go near crazy uncle Bill, right? <laughs> yes, he's a part of our family, but we don't like to talk about him. We don't want to hang around him. Like kids, y'all stay over here. That's how some people treat the Holy Spirit. Like that's, that's our crazy uncle. Yeah, he's a part of the family, but he's weird. Like just stay over here, right? All of you, I'm sure by show of hands could think of somebody, you know, it's a little weird. Like maybe you kind of avoid, some of y'all raise your hands too fast. Don't look at them if they're here. <laughs> Don't look at them if they're in the room. And if you can't think about somebody, you might be that somebody. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just trying to make a joke. Okay. But you may, you may really look into that. Anyway, um, and part of, what we've, part of what we found early on when we were representing the Holy Spirit to people here is that the reason that people had a weird picture of him is because sometimes people have viewed the Holy Spirit as sensational instead of supernatural. So it's like, oh, he, he's this sensation, and so they're looking for this feeling or something crazy to happen. And, and the problem with this is when you, when you don't feel him in that moment, you try to conjure up something to make it look like the Holy Spirit is there, right? And so when people don't feel him, they'll force it. And when they force it, it's man's expression, not God's expression of the Holy Spirit. And, and one of the things I thought about when I was talking to my wife this week about the Holy Spirit was we are talking about weird things we've seen. And maybe some of you have seen this uh, video that's gone around, it's, it's gone viral on social media, of a lady who was on Family Feud. And uh, it came time and Steve Harvey was asking her at the end, like, all right, you ready to answer these questions? And she was like, hold on, Holy Spirit, activate. But she's singing this song, Holy, and Steve Harvey's like, this is television, what are we doing, you know? And, and I'm sure she had good intentions. Some of you might have a t-shirt that says Holy Spirit Activate now on it. Uh, but, but why does she have to sing a song about it? You know, like, why do we got to conjure up something to make it seem like the Holy Spirit's about to do something? I remember at a time, I've told you this story before, um, when I was at a church in Tulsa, uh, Oklahoma, when I went to college there, I was visiting a church and we were in the middle of worship and the guy in front of me started barking. 
He was like, roo, roo. And I was like, my goodness, what is going on? And you could tell who the guests were that day because they all looked for the exit. Where do we go? And nobody else was bothered, you know? And I was like, what is happening? And I just felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me very quickly and said, that ain't me, bro. Like, that's not, he didn't say bro, but he said, that's not me. Like, I added that, I added that. I just thought I should tell you. But he's like, that's not me. Like, that's not me. That's weird, right? And, and so when people don't feel him and they try to conjure up something to make it look like the Holy Spirit is moving, and that's when you see people get out of control, which is actually the opposite of what the Holy Spirit does. Look at this verse in Ephesians. I love this passage, Ephesians 5.18. It says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. But he's giving a contrast here. Don't be drunk. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. See, you've heard people say, well, I just got drunk in the Spirit. No, that's not, that's not biblical. You may have been filled with the Spirit, but that doesn't make you out of control. In fact, Paul's saying here, don't get drunk because you're going to lose your inhibitions. You're going to lose control. And if you read in Galatians, it says that the Holy Spirit actually gives you control. He, the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. And when you study out that verse, what it means, it's so powerful, that self-control by the Holy Spirit is the ability to control oneself apart from the power of oneself, which means you need someone else to come help you bring control to your life, and that's the Holy Spirit. So he doesn't make you get out of control. He helps your life actually get in control. So this was a big part of the history of our church was to help people see normal spirit-filled Christianity. In fact, the phrase they used to say here would be naturally supernatural. We are naturally supernatural. We're not sensational. We're not weird. It's just who the Holy Spirit is. And so I thought it would be important today is to look at one of the wells that was dug here, and that's the well of the Holy Spirit. And I could, I could teach weeks on this topic, um, so I'm trying to condense it down to what I felt like we needed to talk about today. But I want to look at three attributes of the Holy Spirit and then ask us some questions on how we approach the Holy Spirit. So the first attribute I want to look at today is the person of the Holy Spirit. And I think it's important that we see him as a person, that we don't see him as an it. Jesus never said, it's coming it's going to get you. It's, it's going to be here. No, he, he didn't. He never used it. You know, in fact, he also never used ghost, by the way. And that's a, that's a kind of a pet peeve of mine. And you've probably heard me talk about this before. But when people say Holy Ghost, you know, you're going to get a dose of the ghost. And that's that sensational thing, right? Trying to work up. Some, ghost is scary, right? So people are, think the Holy Spirit's weird because he's been called a ghost. I, that's a mistranslation by many of the early writers because that word where people say Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost. That word in the Hebrew is ruach, which is the Old Testament. In the New Testament, it's pneuma. And they mean the same thing. It's the breath or the wind of God. Breath, wind, or spirit is what it's normally translated. So ghost is not an accurate translation. In fact, I was so, so much a stickler of it, I made our worship team change a lot of the songs that said Holy Ghost. But then they were like, it doesn't rhyme. It's very hard. So I quit being um, so, so particular about it. So you may hear that here, but just know... It's not, it's not an accurate translation. And Jesus was, I think, very serious about this as well because he made sure, look at this passage, and in several places, this is John 16, he made sure to tell you who he is. When the spirit of truth, that's the Holy Spirit, comes, he will guide you into the truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, 
and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Now, there's so much in this. I'm going to read the next verse in a minute. But right here, there's so much we could spend an entire month on just this of what the Holy Spirit, his role is in our life. But I think Jesus was clarifying quite a bit. So you don't think that he's weird. You need to know he's a he. He's not rogue. He doesn't speak on his own authority. He's not going to contradict my words. In fact, he's going to confirm my words, right? That's all that it says right here. And then in verse 14, it says, he will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. He takes what Jesus has said and what Jesus has done and makes it even more clear to us. But the picture here is he. He said he over and over and over again. And I think it's important for us to understand that he's a person because just like you and I are people, we have a mind and we have a will and we have emotions, right? We think with our mind, we desire with our will, And we feel with our emotions. And this is the same thing that the Holy Spirit does. In fact, you could say that the person of the Holy Spirit helps us to think as God thinks, desire what God desires, and feel what God feels. He'll help us to understand the mind of God, what what he's thinking, what he desires, what is his will for our life, and what he feels. Let me show you some verses on this that are powerful. Look here in Romans chapter 8. It says, now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. The Holy Spirit is making intercession according to the will of God for your life. He's helping you to understand God's desire for your life. He is a person. Now look at the next one here. This is a powerful one too. Ephesians 4.30 says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Did you know you can grieve the Holy Spirit? Because as a person, he, he has these feelings as well. And you can grieve him when you reject him. You can grieve him when you don't listen to him. You can grieve him by what you say and what you do when it falls out, out of line with what his Holy Spirit has for you. God's desires and his plan is for you. So if you, if you see him as a person, I think we'll approach him very differently. It's why it's important for us to see him as a person. He is a person and he is God. He's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We have an easy time seeing Jesus as a person, but we have a hard time seeing the Holy Spirit as a person. And I would just tell you today, if you're living without the Holy Spirit, you're living without a third of who God is. And I know some of you are like, that's not that big a deal. I mean, I build toys for my kids and I have a third of the parts left afterwards, right? (laughs) So you're like, that's not a big deal. But then you watch that kid ride away on that bike. That's two thirds made, a little wobbly. That may be how your life looks on two-thirds of the right foundation, right? You're missing a third of who God is. He's really, really important. And I think it's important that the question we ask today is, do you see the Holy Spirit as a sensation, as a mystical ghost, as simply a feeling where you get goosebumps, or do you see him as a person that you can approach every day? It's very, very important. So that's the person of the Holy Spirit. And as a person, look at what he does for us next. I wanna talk to you about now the power of the Holy Spirit. This is one that we, we easily identify with today. It's like, okay, well, yeah, we know that the Holy Spirit comes in power. Jesus told his disciples, hey, listen, before you go out and you do this mission I'm giving you, go wait for me in the upper room, right? And this verse is the verse that we always use in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, which is a powerful verse. It says, but you will receive power, this is Jesus speaking, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria into the ends of the earth. So we have an easy time seeing the power of the Holy Spirit. But the power of the Holy Spirit has been there from the beginning, by the way. 
If you read Genesis, it says that the spirit hovered above the deep before the world was created. It was by his power and through Jesus' words that the world was formed. You can read in the Old Testament many times where the Holy Spirit would come upon people. The power of the New Testament is he can live inside of us. But in the Old Testament, there would be times where the Holy Spirit would come and rest upon people. Like in 1 Samuel 16, it would say that the Holy Spirit would come upon David and he did these mighty acts. In Judges, you can read about Samson and the Holy Spirit rested upon Samson and he had this incredible strength and he did these powerful things right so what we need to understand about the holy spirit is that the holy spirit is the he unlocks the power of heaven for our life on this earth he unlocks the power that's made available to us in heaven for our life on this earth and he's and it always gives us life the holy spirit always gives us life in fact that's a part of his role when you read the old testament genesis 2 when God formed Adam out of the dust, what did he do? He breathed his spirit into him and he came alive. Ezekiel 37, the valley of dry bones. These bones were dead, but when the, when the breath of God came upon them, they came together and formed an army in power. Acts chapter 2, the birth of the church when the Holy Spirit came. It said that he came like the sound of a mighty rushing wind because it's the breath of God breathing upon these men and women in the upper room. And all of a sudden they received this power for their life. And that was the birth of the church. The church started by the power of the Holy Spirit who gives us life and power for our everyday lives. He unlocks the power of heaven for our life. And we talked about this a little bit last week, but we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus last week, right? What a, what a great day to celebrate. But look at this in Romans 8, 11. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, he lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies. That means while you're still on this earth, by this same spirit living within you. He gives us life and he gives us power. Not just power to do the miraculous. We, he does give us power for that, right? All, all of the miracles that, that they did in the book of Acts came from the power of the Holy Spirit. He gives us power for that. He also gives us power to, to have boldness to share our faith. But he also, he also gives us great power just to live a life that is a witness. A live a life that is overcoming. To live a life where we're not stuck in bondage to sin anymore. Look, Ephesians says it this way. I mean, sorry, Galatians 5.16. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. If you are walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, you don't have to give in to the desires of the flesh anymore. People say, well, I'm just a sinner. No, you were a sinner. But if you've been saved, you now have the power of the Holy Spirit to help you live an overcoming life. That's a life, that's a witness to people, right? So, so here's the thing I want you to understand about the power of the Holy Spirit. The question is, is are you living in the power of the Holy Spirit today? Or do you feel like you're just barely making it through life? Are you just trudging through on your own? Are you trying to do it in your own willpower when there's this source of power available to you through the Holy Spirit? It's a question for you to answer. So there's the person of the Holy Spirit who comes and gives us the power of the Holy Spirit, but then there's also the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I think this is one we need to talk about because sometimes I think we, we just look at the Holy Spirit in moments that we need him for something versus the fact that he's available to be with us. His presence is available to be with us all the time. In fact, it was what Jesus kept telling us before he left, why it was so important. Look here in, in John 16, seven, he says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage 
that I go away. Why? For if I do not go away, the helper, this is referring to the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. What is he saying here? He's saying, I can be with you right now in my bodily presence, but when I leave, I'm gonna send you the Holy Spirit who can always be with you. It's, he's our unfair advantage in this life. In this word helper, is a powerful word. We've reduced it down to the word helper, but the word is parakletos. It comes from two words, para meaning to come close or to come alongside, and kaleo, which is the word that means to help you make a judgment call. So he's the one that comes close to you to help you make judgment calls in your life right? What does that look like naturally? That means that the Holy Spirit will come close to you if you're living in his presence where he'll say, hey, I wouldn't say that if I were you. Some of you need that today. I wouldn't type that. You don't have to say that on social media. The Holy Spirit will help you. Don't say that to your wife. Don't look at that. No, you don't want to spend your money there. I mean, that's who the whole, he helps you to make right judgment calls. I was talking to our executive, Pastor Mario, who I've been friends with for over a decade. And he was talking about before he became our executive pastor, he worked for this company where, uh, where he oversaw a lot of their accounting department. And he had this major problem uh, that he could not find the answer to in this Excel document. And he, they were off on the budget. And it was one small thing he couldn't. And so he just said, Holy Spirit, help me. And immediately he knew exactly where to look, right? That's who's available to you all the time. He, he just wants to be close to you. He's not just available for these great feats of power, but he's available in the intimate moments of your life. Jesus would also say this in John chapter 14. He said, I will pray that the Father, that he will give you another helper. There it is again. Why? That he may abide with you forever. What does abide mean? To live to dwell, to do life with. This is his purpose on our earth, that, that you would do life with, that you would dwell with the Holy Spirit, right? And, and this is one of the, my, my, fam- my favorite verses that describes all three roles of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And it's, it's in the closing letter to the Corinthian church where Paul is writing to them and he paints such a beautiful picture. I wanna read it to you out of the message, which is a paraphrase. It doesn't change the meaning. I just like the descriptive words that Paul used here. Look at 2 Corinthians 13, 14. He said, I want the amazing grace of the master Jesus Christ in the extravagant love of God in the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit to be with you all. This is powerful because God in his extravagant love sent his son Jesus. God is love. Everything he does is from a place of love for you and for me. And in his extravagant love, he sacrificed his own son. And Jesus came in this amazing grace and this amazing mercy that when we didn't deserve it, he died for our sin. But out of that amazing grace, he didn't leave us orphans. He sent the Holy Spirit. For what? Intimate friendship. This is the role of the Holy Spirit in your life. He wants to have an intimate friendship with you. He wants to be closer than you could ever imagine, where he's speaking to you, where he's guiding you, where he's leading you. And and the secret and the key to the abundant life that Jesus promised us isn't about rules. It's not about regulations. It's not about rituals. It's not about religion. It is about relationship with the Holy Spirit. He's the one who brings joy. He's the one who brings life. He's the one who brings power to our lives. What a beautiful gift from God in the person of the Holy Spirit. And I just felt like some of us needed to look at the the wells that were dug here 30 plus years ago 
that maybe they've been a little clogged up in your life. And maybe today's the time to, let's, let's clear out some dirt. Let's, let's dig some fresh wells with the Holy Spirit so we can be filled again. In fact, I love the way Jesus painted it here in John chapter 7. It says, whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now he said this about the Spirit whom those who believed in him were to received, for as yet the Spirit had not been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. He had promised the coming of the Spirit. So he was saying one day when the Holy Spirit comes, he's gonna be the river that flows out of you. Jesus is the well of water inside of us, but the Holy Spirit is the river that flows from the well of Jesus through our lives, in and through our lives. And I just felt today that God wants to bring some fresh water of the Holy Spirit to your life. That he, he wants to bring, to unclog some things that have been stopped up in your life. You feel like maybe I'm not living in the power of the Holy Spirit. Today is the day that that gets changed. That it gets fresh water coming out of it today. Amen. Can you pray with me? Would you bow your heads? And One of the ways that we always like to end our service here is just to say, Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me? What are you speaking to me? And I felt like maybe there were... There, those three things are what you need to look at today. For some of you, maybe it's the person of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you haven't seen him as a person. You've seen him as a, as a mystical kind of ghost or a thing or, or a sensation. And you're like, I need, I need to change my view on the Holy Spirit today. I need to see him as a person because he's the person who helps me to think like God thinks, desire what God desires. And I want to I wanna know what God feels. That's through the Holy Spirit. So maybe you need to change your approach today. Or maybe today I felt like there were people who said, you know what, I'm not, I'm not walking in that overcoming power that's available through the Holy Spirit. You feel like you drug yourself in here, you just drag yourself day by day. You don't have to live that way. The Holy Spirit is the breath of God, the wind in your sails, the power to overcome in everyday life. And maybe you need to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit today. Maybe you just need a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. But I also think there's many people here today who you're not experiencing the presence of the Holy Spirit. You're waiting for these power encounters, but you, he wants to be close. He wants to whisper in your ear. He wants to say, son, daughter, go this way. Do this. Let me help you today. So maybe today you just need to say, Holy Spirit, come fill me fresh. I want to, I want to experience your presence on a daily basis. God, I do ask that right now. Holy Spirit, fill every single one of us fresh, fresh with your presence, fresh with your power, God. Thank you, Jesus, for sending the Holy Spirit. So we could live a life, God, that honors you, that glorifies you, God. We could live out the purposes that you've created us for. We thank you for that today. Just say thank you, Holy Spirit, for filling me today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. How I... Thanks for joining us today. I pray this message encouraged you, inspired you, and maybe even challenged you a little bit. If you made a decision for Jesus, we are celebrating with you. Welcome to the family of God. We would love to know about it. So message us online or you can text yes card to 903-200-3808 and let us know what decision you made. We wanna come alongside you, help you find a local church. It's very important to be connected to the local body of Christ, whether with us or somewhere else. So let us know so we can help you and let you know your next steps with Jesus. I'd love to see you real soon in person, but until then, know that I'm praying for you. I'm praying God's best in your life. God bless you.